Welcome to another edition of Food, Faith, and Feelings, where we walk with you on your journey to wholeness. Our host is Dr. Jeannie Burnett, licensed clinical psychologist and certified eating disorder therapist. Join her and her host, Carlos Houston, as they discuss the relationship between your food, your faith, and your feelings. just love that intro music. I love it. I love it. I love it. So hi, it's Jeannie. It's Dr. Jeannie Burnett again here with another version of Food, Faith, and Feelings. And I have a very, very special guest and I would like to introduce you to her. Her name is Brooke Haberling. Hello. Hi, Brooke. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. So Brooke and I have known each other a couple of years now. Yep. And um, we have a very special, unique relationship. We do. It's uh, not very common, our relationship. No, it's not. But it's a great one. Because we're, we're pretty uncommon kind of people, I'd say. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so, Brooke, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and about your story? And, um, and then I'll, I'll just continue to ask you some questions throughout. Sounds great. Um, I am an eating disorder survivor. I was diagnosed uh, when I was 15 with anorexia with purging tendencies. So um, from 15 to 20, I was basically practicing bulimia for the most part. And then from 20 to 24, I decided that I didn't want to uh, purge anymore. So I began to uh, not eat at all. So anorexia took over. And then um, when I decided that food was good for me, I had to find another way to get rid of it because I didn't want to purge or not eat. So I began to run and I became an ultra marathoner and I suffered from overexercise addiction. And at age 31, all three of those eating disorder symptoms and tendencies collided into one and that's when I met you ah how did you meet me I, met, I can imagine what your thoughts were of me the first, first oh my couple gosh times. um <laughs> I, I I honestly I thought about this the other day I when I went to you I, I sat in your chair because I didn't want to get a divorce I didn't want my husband to leave me oh and that was kind of why I sat there because I was like, man, I'm just going to make him happy. Um, as you remember, I didn't think I had a problem. No, at all. you had no problem. Well, it, and that shows what uh, society was telling me that I was healthy. And because society said that if you eat clean and you run and you're skinny, then you are picture perfect. And so I've walked around like I was the Queen of Sheba with uh, my eating disorder ego just shining at all times exactly and uh i've learned that so so what happened why did you change that um i ran a marathon (laughs) um when it wasn't just a marathon well i i ran a 40 mile uh 24 hour race right uh, when my heart was rate was in the 30s right um a doctor told me that i was just an athlete which was not ridiculous. Yes, that was not the case. Um, so uh, after that race, I truly had to come to grips with the um, with the reality that I was not healthy. That uh, that my 
eating disorder and my exercise tendencies were running my life. Well, I would like to I would like to interject in this part into the story that I strongly, strongly discouraged Brooke from doing that race. Yes, she did. She and my uh, nutritionist both told me that I, I was risking death if I was risking death if I ran that race. But um, I think why I knew I had a problem is I only ate the week before because I wanted to prove to you that. I wouldn't die <laughs> when I ran. <laughs> so that's, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever Fine, told you that. I'll, well, it's, it's interesting because most people, and this is one of the things I love about people with eating disorders is they're tough cookies. Oh yeah. And stubborn. Oh yeah. And brats. <laughs> because I mean, Sometimes. let's just face it. Like <laughs> I was eating disordered and I fit all of those categories oh, yes. as well. And so, um, I, I, genuinely take on the the idea of it takes one to know one. Oh yes and so i feel like i can really match mm-hmm. any kind of resistance and defensiveness and um genie or wrong i get that a lot but that's why you were so successful with me because i'd been to outpatient treatment centers before or where i had a therapist And they took the more, and I've told you this, they took the more mothering role, which is what I wanted and needed. And you took the hard butt, hard nose, no, you're going to listen to me view. And even though I hated it at the time, I mean, I'm sitting here with you now, recovered and healthy. And now we're friends and doing amazing things. Well, I'm trying. I'm trying. I, so Brooke has a very, very cool um, after story. But one of the things that she's done recently, I think, is really, really remarkable. Um, She's become a bloggist for Recovery Warriors. Mm -hmm. And she has also done this really, really unique thing, which is really kind of a symbol around the whole reason why you came into therapy anyway, which was your marriage. Yes. And my children. Yes. Um, So tell us about that. So I was sitting in a doctor's office waiting to get checked out. And uh, I heard these women talking about their upcoming wedding and a mom was telling her daughter, oh, you have to get the wedding dress preserved so you can wear it uh, or that you can pass it on to your daughter one day. And I sat there reminiscing and thinking, oh, like that's going to be so sweet. I have a daughter. She's three. I'm going to give my wedding dress to Anna Blue one day. And then I thought, oh, snap, I can't give her my wedding dress because it was unbelievably small. I didn't eat the month before the wedding and ran and ran and ran, had to get it taken in three times. And I I just would never want her to hold up that dress and see how small it was. So I said, I'm going to destroy it. And how I destroyed it was very unique. I wrote body positive, wonderful character things about myself on the dress that had nothing to do with how I look. So tell us a little bit about um, the, at, well, what, we'll, what we're going to do is we're going to put up pictures on our Facebook page, yeah. Food, Faith and Feelings of your wedding dress um, and the, some of the photo shoots with, even with Anna Blue in it, which mm-hmm. I think is adorable. She's the best. Well, she's a little mini me of you. Yeah, she's, she's, she's spunky. <laughs> um, and... So the, I think that one of the great things is that it's such a positive message to so many uh, women who are 
struggling with that. I mean, women that raise daughters, they think that way. I mean, I, you know, when I was younger, I was like, oh, mom, I want to wear your wedding dress. And then it was, but I like my stepmothers too. So maybe I can do a combination of both. And well, it's, it's also such a, just a, not even an anorexia, bulimia, um, binge eating thing, but it's just a society thing that, um, most women that any woman listening to this that has been married probably did some sort of disordered behavior mm. to fit in her wedding dress. Mm-hmm. Or I, I didn't eat the, the entire day because I didn't want to pooch in a picture. I didn't want to look sideways and for mm. my stomach to look off. And I mean, I think leading up to not even weddings, but any sort of special occasion, young women with prom and, mm-hmm. you know, there's just, we need to, in society, embrace our bodies as they are. I had, in when I was in inpatient treatment, I was arguing with the nutritionist of what weight my body should be. And mm-hmm. she looked at me and she said, how, how the heck do you know? I said, what do you mean? She said, have you ever just allowed your body to be? And I was like, well... No, but what does that mean? And she said, she said, there's no, but you don't even know what your weight should be. And, and we in society are told that we're supposed to have a certain weight and look a certain way, but it's just not true. There's just, we need to let ourselves just be. And that's what the message I wanted to send to Anna is that it doesn't matter what she looks like on her wedding day. Her character matters. If she's a good person, if she's marrying the right man, if she loves herself for who she is, if she's courageous, if she's brave, I didn't want her to worry about her stomach like I did the entire day. That's stupid. What a fabulous message. Mm. Fabulous. And so what I'd like to do is talk a little bit more about that after the break. And um, so we're going to we're going to be back in a few minutes um, after this word from our amazing sponsors who help support and keep this radio show going. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. NISA is a capital company that helps connect those who are from countries outside of the United States to access funding and legal assistance using specific programs that are flexible in order to enhance a project's success. NISA Capital is a global professional services firm that's headquartered in Atlanta and has locations in Miami, India, China, Korea, Vietnam, and Latin America. So, could your nonprofit use $10,000 per month in free Google advertising? Since 2003, Google has donated free advertising to over 20,000 nonprofits in over 50 countries throughout the world. They've helped them raise millions of dollars in cash donations, recruiting and volunteer work, and in raising awareness for their causes. Visit epicgrowth.com, that's E-P-I-C-growth.com, to see if your nonprofit organization is eligible for this $10,000 in free advertising today. And welcome back to Food, Faith, and Feelings. And I like to kind of title these, and I think this one, um, even though we've talked a lot about your eating disorder, um, I like to say this hashtag is hashtag inner communication because this month we're talking about communication yes and so I'd like to ask you a little bit based on your story mm-hmm. what were some of the things like the actual thoughts that you believed about your body about getting married and now and and even like thinking about like your children because you have two yes 
Anna Blue is three and Graham is five. And um, my inner thoughts, they were um, they were pretty dark. It was pretty. Uh, and I actually had a conversation with my mom about this a few weeks ago that um, we as children model after our parents. Mm. And my mom was brought up in the time period when they were objectified by their bodies. And so she took on that herself and then didn't recognize that she would be passing that on to her daughters. I have two other sisters, so three girls in my family. And we watched my mom talk poorly about her body. We watched my mom talk poorly about food. And although she never directed that towards us, it, um, that's what we internalized. And I learned to be terrified of food and I learned to be terrified of my body changing. And so I learned to control it. I think that that is uh, what you were just saying in terms of our, our body honestly is always changing. Mm -hmm. There is not one day that is the same. I mean, we can wear the same size, but if you think about it from birth, we're going towards death every day. And so, you know, there's there's two big periods where our body changes as a female. It changes a lot. And that's in um, pre-adolescence and adolescence. And then now that I'm in the on the fourth floor, as my friends like to say, mm-hmm. um, in the 40s, your body, I, I'm like, my body's revolting against me. It's never done this before. I've, it's never been this difficult to stay a certain size or whatever. And so going through those big changes, what we see in the field is that those are the two greatest places where women develop eating disorders. And mine revved up when I was going through puberty and then it came back around after childbirth. Mm -hmm. And that's when, um, after I had my daughter, um, I was bound and determined because I knew she was going to be my last child. I was bound and determined to quote unquote, get my body back Mm -hmm. like Everybody thinks that. Everyone (laughs) does. And and there's a healthy aspect to that, that you can healthily try to, you know, uh, be in a healthy weight for in size and exercise for you. But unfortunately, I had the underlying eating disorder slash addictive personality that I took mine into overdrive. And um, after I had my children, I began to cut food and exercise. Um, Unfortunately, it's really sad. I didn't wake up my children for two years. I woke up at four o'clock every morning Mm. and ran for two to three hours before work. And my, my kids, I never got to dress my kids, wake them up in the morning, brush their teeth, do my daughter's hair. Um, I was selfishly letting my eating disorder take the reins instead of the I, and I was truly have thought about this a lot I was truly um, afraid of that connection and that relationship with my children so I literally ran away from it mm-hmm. and we um, talked a lot about that how you would run from pain yes and that's a very very common theme for people that struggle with their body and their food whether they're eating disordered or not a lot of people just like one of my best friends she does not. I don't cry. I'm like, yes, you do. I no, I no. <laughs> Got to cry sometimes. And so, yeah, right, exactly. And so, um, let's talk a little bit about how you've seen, like, 
different instances, your both your children mm-hmm. begin to even internalize the messages, even though you've never said them directly to your children. Yes. But they children are amazing because they pick up on these cues yes. and they hear you or they 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 can you know, we all have energy and we put that energy out there. And so they can sense whether you're happy or whether you're sad. And so they just can't always interpret it correctly. Mm-hmm. So if you're angry with your body and you're having a bad day or this is in the past, I get it. But let's let us know like what your children, how they would interpret that. Yeah, um, it was really easy to see um, directly with Anna because she's more uh, she was more outgoing and she was younger. And anytime we would walk to go to somebody's house and of course, she's too. So I'm helping her go to the bathroom and they would have a scale because a lot of people have scales. She would jump right on the scale because she had seen me mm. jump on the scale so at much. two years old. At two years old. And Did she ever say anything when she was standing up there? No. Unfortunately, it, it was heartbreaking to me because she would look up at me and smile and say, there I am. And it's mm. like, no, you're not your weight. I'm teaching you that you're your weight. But that's that's not. Did what you, she is. Did you recognize that? Yes, but um, at the time, of course, you knew me at that time, I, I blocked it out. I, I would literally run out of the bathroom and go busy myself doing something because I didn't want to feel those feelings. Mm-hmm. I didn't. So I was a big time, I'd go wash dishes or go clean up something and, and not feel the feelings of, oh my gosh, my two-year-old thinks... You were perfecting the environment around exactly. you to manage the anxiety inside of you. Exactly. Like that circle you draw and put my name in the middle of it and said, <laughs> what can you control, Brooke? Only you. Nothing outside of you. I was like, no, watch me. I can do it all. <laughs> and I tried and I failed. <laughs> well, it's because you can only control what's inside. The exactly. And uh, it's actually even more heartbreaking, my son, um, because obviously he was older And at five years old, I had him, um, he was in my shadow of disorder for five years. Mm. And um, he was terrified of restaurants because I was so anxiety driven whenever we would go even near a restaurant. We actually never went to restaurants. So when we said like, oh, we're going to restaurant, he would have a complete meltdown. Um, So it's interesting. I'm going to stop you for just a second that he was also containing the emotion that you couldn't tolerate. Oh, yes. And he would act it out. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how children do that. Yes. And, and he is a big time. Uh, he, he took a big brunt. And one of the the most heartbreaking moments that actually got me to go to treatment when you were begging me to go and I was being obstinate and saying, no, I'm not no, going. No, you were never that way. <laughs> and uh, I went and talked to his daycare director, who's an amazing man, And uh, I told him, uh, being a teacher myself, I wanted them to understand if I was gone that my children might be acting a little different and to give them extra love and Mm. because I was going to be going to get treatment. And he looked at me when I told him I was admitting to being anorexic and needing help. And he started crying. Mm. And this man and I was like, I felt bad. I was like, oh, I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. He said, I'm not worried about you. I see it in Graham. Oh, wow. And I just lost it. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I have to sit with him at daycare every day when we eat lunch to make sure he eats. I have to make sure everything's right. I have to, he has such anxieties around lunchtime, snack time. And I just, 
it blew my mind that I didn't see that as much, obviously, because I was disordered, but somebody that barely knew me but knew my child so much saw it in him every day. So I think I think one of the, uh, I guess, important points I want to make about this whole show is that even though you believe that your your thoughts are yours, they're really not. Oh, they're yeah. being felt and heard because of how we act and how we act things out. They're being felt and heard by others. And yes. So it's very, very difficult. And it's a lie to believe that what you think about yourself and what you believe about yourself is staying inside. Yep. And my family is 100% proof of that. Yeah. Uh, well, tell us now, since you've been in recovery for a year now, mm-hmm. um, been doing amazing, like really has shocked me. Like I, I girl, I go at things 110%. Oh God. Once I decided. Okay. okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going into a therapy session. So tell us how your kids are doing now. Oh my gosh. They're, it's so cool. Like literally all Graham ate before I went to treatment was sausage balls, grapes, and bananas, and sometimes bread. And now he'll eat anything, anything I put in front of him. He'll try it. He is exploring different foods. We go to restaurants now. Nobody's having a meltdown. Nobody. I don't melt down. He doesn't melt you down. You ate McDonald's. McDonald's. I went to a buffet. <laughs> I went to a buffet and ate and sat next to Graham. And me and Graham held hands while we ate at the buffet. That's and awesome. You didn't like pull your chair up to the buffet, did well, you? I, no, I didn't do that. Okay. I was a little bit cautious. Okay. <laughs> it was my first time. So Very good. But Very I good. did it. No, it's really neat that it's. I've seen the huge change and shift. And Anna Blue, she flaunts herself around and she is so proud and she is just... There is nothing that's going to hold that girl back. And I can feel so good about myself in a sense that it's not going to be me. Like I'm going to be aware and build up my children. So if, if at all they do have those issues one day that I can feel good about where I am and how I've aided in that for them. Great. So this has been an amazing show. Of course, we're going to have you back. Oh, I would love to come back. Um, But right now I want to do our verse of the week. Very important. Based on the conversation today, this comes to us from Exodus 25. You must not bow down to them or worship them. And I want to like kind of insert right here that we're talking about your body and your body image and anything that you put that's more important than God. That's what fits right there. Yes. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and the fourth generations of those who reject me. And I I just think that this means that as we focus on anything other than God, and having our importance put on anything other than God. And that is money and that is fame and that is grades and that is how much weight you lift or that's how much you weigh or what your size is and in your genes. Like it doesn't matter. Um, We're going to go away. We're going to waste away and we're going to end up face to face with God. And that's where, that's where we're going to end. 
It's a wonderful place to end. I I really thank you for having me on the show today. You're welcome. You're a pleasure. Mm. Bye. Bye.